Okay, Proverbs 22, and it says there, Proverbs 22, 6. I'll read it the first time. The second time, we'll all read it together. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So let's read that together. Begin. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So again, this is an admonishment from the Proverbs. There's other admonishments like that about help a child become what he needs to be. Uh, Ephesians 6, 4 talks about bring them up, fathers. Don't provoke them Don't in the sense of be a negative uh, thing in their life of provoking them to anger, but bring them up, Get them, let them go forward and upward in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Um, so in a nutshell, I think this verse is saying that it is possible it's possible to give a child equipping now for life, for life issues now, but it's possible to equip a child now for issues that they'll face later in life. It's talking about when he's old, uh, what he'll employ. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever been, most of us probably played a sport or something like that. Has anybody ever been taught something unique that's maybe not that common? Anybody ever been taught some, maybe an instrument that's not that, uh, Iden? What's that? Yeah, how to install a gate. Yeah, probably by the time you're 14, 15. What? Maybe? Wow. Taught how to install a gate. Calder. Excuse me? Garage doors. How to mess around and fix them? Wow. That's good. Anybody else taught something maybe a little unique, not as common as, you know, just say, I learned how to shoot a basketball or something? Maybe how about an instrument? How many of us were taught an instrument as a child? A lot of us in here. All right, how many of us, it's, a, it's not, you know, maybe, well, let's just go through. How many, let me see your hands. All right, some instruments here. Dad, what were you taught? A cello. A cello, yeah. In grade school. In grade school, all right. Had to haul around the cello on music class day. Yeah. All right, let's see. Who else was else learning this? Uh, Sonia? Flute. Flute, yeah, and she still plays it sometimes, yeah. All right. <clears throat> Calder? Piano. Piano, all right. Jonathan, piano, okay. So some of us, Caleb, what is it? Guitar, all right. All right, I learned how to play the radio. Um, <laughs> now it doesn't make music, it just does talk radio. <laughs> so uh, listen, we have a choice, right? When you're, you're taught something, that in, you learn some muscle, you learn some skill, ear, uh, skill of listening and coordinating that with the hands or the mouth, how, whatever instrument it is. And a lot of times it can stay with you, but if you set it aside, it's like, well, you're not using it. And sometimes you can go back and revive that skill again. The Bible talks about equipping a child for things now so that they can be successful later in life. Um, <clears throat> so here's this passage. So what we want to do, there's seven points here that I looked at in Proverbs 22.6, how to proceed in training a child in light of Proverbs 22.6. And here's some points. We did the first, let's see, we did first three, three last time. All right, number one, we notice in this proverb that I believe this is a principle that is hinged on their future choices. In other words, just like you, you some of you chose not to play something anymore, but you probably could. And so I think that whatever this verse means, it cannot contradict something else the Bible teaches, which the Bible teaches that you can choose to do right or do wrong. 
And a lot of times we're trained. You might be trained to do something. And as you get older, all right, now that I'm away from mom and dad, am I going to still, what way am I going to go? And you're more inclined to go the way that you were convinced and taught. Uh, but if sometimes you're like, well, I want to try this now. And you may go, you may choose to go another way in spite of the best parenting. And the example I have on that is God himself. God, whatever this verse means, it can't mean that God expects a higher standard of us than of him. Because God himself, being the perfect parent, gave something to Adam and Eve, and they made a choice. Gave something to Israel, and they made a choice. Gave, gives stuff to the church, and we make choices. He said in Isaiah 1, I have nourished and brought up children, and they rebelled against me. That's not a, that's not a, uh, a bad statement on God's parenting. That's a statement about their choice. They made bad choices. And so this is something where a child needs, we need to train them as much as we can, but there comes a time where we're like, all right, you're flying where you want to go now. And we hope that <clears throat> they will go, continue to go, and uh, not be able to get away from it. That's like the, the Hebrew uh, guy said, the way he should go when he will not depart from it, the idea he can't get away from that, that influence of that training in the sense of can't get away from it, I believe, in his conscience. So, train up a child. It's a principle that hinges on their future choices, but for us as parents right now, number two, we should distinguish training from informing. Because notice the word there, train. It doesn't say download information merely. It doesn't say tell up a child. It doesn't just say book them, get them in a lot of books. That's an aspect of training. Those are little slices of the bigger pie. It says train. Train means to, to enable by involvement, right? All right, Drew, did your dad teach you how to throw a ball and swing a bat? You know, he got right in there, huh? Probably helped you go like that, maybe. All right. And so some of you guys, maybe your dad taught you how to hammer a nail or turn a wrench. And he didn't just tell you, he probably got over and said, here, lefty, loosey, righty, tidy, you know, and, and, you know, got right in with you. Training has the idea of, of equipping, not just educating, of involving, not just informing, of doing life, not just downloading facts. All right. Number three, as it relates to, as we're thinking about training and getting all we can out of Proverbs 22, 6, let the trainer be trained. That's number three. Let the trainer be trained. So that would be the parent, the teacher, the influencer. Uh, all right. So sometimes like these kids need to be disciplined around here, you know. And that's true, but it's hard to discipline kids from a parent or an adult that's not disciplined themselves. You know, it's hard for me to be able to help my kids with their temper if I don't control mine first. You know, I can't help somebody. He that hath no rule over his own spirit, so I can see it's broken down without walls. I got to rein myself in if I expect to help rein them in. And so the, the disciple's not above the master, uh, Jesus said. So teach thyself and then teach thy pupils, you know, and, um, and be taught of God so you could teach God. The Bible talks about taking, this is to the pastor to be specific. First Timothy 4.12, be an example of the believer. I have to be an example uh, in word and conversation and faith in purity and spirit. I have to be an example. And then uh, that would apply also for anybody else who's trying to shepherd little ones. Be an example of what you're expecting. First um, Timothy 4.16 says, Take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. In other words, I have to take heed to what I'm teaching, 
constantly take heed to what I'm saying and what I'm teaching, and then take heed to do what I'm teaching. And as I'm doing that, taking heed to what I'm saying and living what I'm saying, which is always a challenge, it helps me be effective as a pastor. The same thing would be as a parent. I need to take heed to what <clears throat> I'm doing. Like one man said, there's going to come a day when your kid's going to forget everything you said and just remember what you did. And they probably won't forget everything you said, but what if they did? They'll, might re they'll probably remember what you did. And so I need to train myself, rein myself in. <clears throat> so, uh, and, and that would involve, you know, whatever I'm saying here tonight, maybe it helps. And then as parents, parenting classes or get Bible proverbs and Bible truth to help you train yourself. Uh, a book, you know, good books, whatever it is to train yourself is good. Number four, and here's where we pick up now. Number four of seven points. <clears throat> Why does a child need training? All right, answer me back. Why does a child need to be trained? All right, kids, did you hear this? It says, God says a child needs to be trained. We're not just talking about potty training, okay? All right, Charity has a little, her little potty, little kid potty, and she, she thinks it's a toy. She picks it up, walks around with it, throws it up on a chair, and tries to sit up on the chair, takes it apart, you know, and uh, we're still trying to tell her this is something to do something on, you know. <clears throat> so tell me, why does a child need training? They're fine, aren't they? They know everything. They talked to their friends the other day, right? Why does a child need to be trained, need to be equipped, need to be, have something ingrained in them? Why? What's wrong with them? Or what's undeveloped? Is there something, what, called her? Yeah. First reason, I got three reasons. Ignorance. Is that what you're saying? They don't know how to do anything? Is that what you said? Okay. The first reason why a child needs to be trained is ignorance. Now, kids, I don't care if you know more about the computer than your parent. You probably do. But there's other greater matters in life that are probably deal primarily with relational and work-related that you don't. And they do, and it's their job to be your coach for life. That's another name for a parent is life coach. They need to be trained because they're ignorant. The way he should go. Some children don't know what way they should go, right? And I want to have a, such a relationship with my children, a, a pleasantness to it, that they want to confide in me as they get older to say, hey, Dad, what way should I go? even though it's my job to keep teaching them and training them to do that until they're out of the house, I want it to where they're, they're, it's like they, they want to hear that, at least get my opinion on it. Proverbs 4.1, look at, take a quick peek at Proverbs 4.1. <clears throat> Proverbs 4.1. What does it say? Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. Now, it doesn't say necessarily your father. That would be the first one you'd need to hear from. But listen to the instruction of a father. Listen to what, you know, in a, in a, presumably in a safe circle, okay? What is that older man, what does that dad have to say about this thing in life? I remember doing that a little bit when I was in this church and another church. I'd go up to some of the men and say, hey, what do you think about, and I would ask him about maybe something with school or college or a car, and I'd get their opinion. 
And the Bible says, hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. Why? Because I, I is ignorant. That's why. <laughs> you're like, yeah, Pastor, you're ignorant of a good grammar here. Ignorance. Why else does a child need to be trained? Give me another answer. Yeah, I mean, uh, Stefan. Yeah, they, some of them don't know the concept of authority, and that needs to be established well. There's an inclination to be a rebel. All right, so let's go to my my third one, which is uh, which we can call it the second one, is iniquity. A child needs to be trained not just because of ignorance, but because of iniquity. We are naturally rebels of different degrees. You know, sometimes, oh, they're just so... Oh, they're just so obedient. Mm, it's what you think. It might come out later that they're not. Oh, they're just so quiet and uh, obedient. Yeah, that's good. Enjoy it while you can. You know, I'm not saying every kid's going to blow up. They may or may not. But every kid, every every person, behold, we were shapen in iniquity and in sin. Our mother did conceive us. That's what David says in Psalm 51, 5. Uh, look at chapter 22, verse 15. Again, why do we need to be trained? Because there's a, there's a negative thing weaved into our nature and laced in all of our DNA called sin. Iniquity is another word. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. <laughs> it's all tangled up in us foolishness, including a sinful type of foolishness. And there's ways to get it out. And this is referring to the punishment way. Little rod spanking it out. We all have foolishness within us. Boy, there's been some dumb things I've done as a kid. And again, I've told you, sometimes they ask me, why did you do that? I don't know. If a boy tells you that, just tell him the truth on that side. He don't know. You know better than he knows. He's like, well, it's because you're a dumb sinner. Like your dad. <laughs> a girl might have a good reason. Well, they might have a reason. But sometimes boys, they don't know. So iniquity, you know, a couple of my boys. And again, I'm not, my boys are, my boys are the sons of the sinner dad. So they've done some things like, why did you do that? Why did you cut a hole in the couch? I don't know. Or one time it was, because this happened twice, right, babe? I think it's happened twice. Because there was something I was trying to get inside of it. Oh, man. All right. Well, it was underneath. You can just reach underneath. And, and that was so. And, and I, I, I think uh, I probably have one of those. My parents could probably tell some dumb stuff. It's because I'm foolish. But also I also have a sinful aspect of foolishness to me. We're sinners. Um, look at chapter 29, verse 15 and 17. Proverbs 29. 15 and 17. <clears throat> All right. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. There needs to be some type of involvement there. Otherwise, you leave a child alone. It, I mean, like, uncorrected, it's not good. Brings shame. Look at verse 17. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. He, yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. So a child needs to be trained because of iniquity. We're naturally disobedient. We're naturally disrespectful. We're naturally deceptive. A rod will help with that. Personal relationships help with that. 
ultimately, the ultimate thing needs to be personal conversion to Jesus Christ. To realize, yeah, I am a bad sinner. I'm a bad boy. And I'm a bad girl. And yes, I get spankings from mom because they want me to do right. But there's a bigger picture. I am sinning against God. And there's a greater consequence. The wages of sin is death. And there's a second death in the lake of fire. And Jesus is the one I need to run to to get me out of this fix. And I run to Jesus because the law is my schoolmaster to bring me to Jesus. I've broken the law so many times. Mom and dad's and God's law. And there's sin in me. And so I need to ask Jesus to be my Savior. He forgives me. And he doesn't make me a non-sinful creature anymore. But he comes and enters into me. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And now I have his spirit dwelling in me to help me through the rest of this life. Ultimately, that's what we want. To take to Jesus. So ignorance, iniquity. And there's another reason. We're kind of saying it, but immaturity. A child needs to be trained because they're just immature. They're a child. Paul talked about when I was a child, I thought I was a child. I spake as a child. I did as a child. You just, you know. You do childlike things. And all right, you're doing childlike things, but let's bring you up a little bit. All right, you're going to be potty trained by the end of this year, right? Yes, you are. We're going to work through this. So you're immature. We're going to help potty train you. You're going to learn, like one of my kids, you know, we, we always have like these graduated ways of teaching. Okay, you're going to unload the bottom rack of the dishwasher. And then next week, you're going to do the whole thing. And then next week, you're hand washing. No, it doesn't go that quick, but. You know, you're, they need to be trained because they're just, they're just out. I can't expect, you know, my, maybe, I mean, maybe some of y'all can do more. Some of these kids that are like 10 are doing the laundry full-fledged deal. That's great. Um, it takes a little more in a Henry family, a little more uh, usually age to, to get them to do that. But I want to train them because of the immaturity. Bring up, Ephesians 6, 4, bring them up. Like, come on, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we need to recognize why a child needs training. Uh, number five, we need to seize the window of, of time in childhood. So when it says back in Proverbs 22, train up a child, that brings up the idea of windowhood. They're not always a child. There's a moment in the, 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 the greater part of their life, they'll not be a child. There's a window of time where they're a child. And we want to seize that window of time of influence. Listen to what, listen to this. I don't know. It, it, this is attributed to a Roman Catholic educator who said this, quote, give me a child until he is seven years old. I don't care what you do with him after that. That means I'll have my fingerprints all over him. Here's what the German National Socialist regime said. They said, give me a child of six years old to educate. He will belong to me for life. I mean, this is negative, kind of the negative side. They're saying we will put our fingerprints on him or her at, in that window. And we don't care what you do after that. We'll have them. We'll have all of our influence there. Um, and then this, again, some of this is opinion, but one person, one organization said, research on brain development is clear that in the first three years, the first three years are critical to a child's future success. Um, another person said, this would be, Again, this is some people's research. A uh, man on Paul Meyer, Christian Child Rearing and Personality Development, in a book it was written some years ago. He said, It is my firm belief that approximately 85% of one's adult personality is formed by the time he is six years old. Those first six years 
therefore, are obviously the most crucial. Now, that doesn't mean like if you, you know, you're finding problems after age six, seven, eight, you're like, oh, it's over. Don't do that. Don't do that. You still have them around, but it's just definitely the, the tenderness is there. What does it say? Proverbs 19.18. Follow me there. Proverbs 19.18. Um, Chasten thy son while there is hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. While there is hope. In other words, while you have the time to be influencing them, chasing them. Uh, there's a word in Scripture called tender. Young and tender. It's an image of childhood. Tender branches. We had a um, a tree in our back. We have like three, whatever they're called, trees in our backyard. In the south wall, there's a tree that was given to us by the power company or the power plant uh, as a courtesy to kind of help block out some noise and the view of the power plant. And we plant. It was planted probably two years after we moved in, I think. And uh, it was maybe you know that big around when it was planted, and it was maybe that tall. And now it's sizable, and you can climb in it. I could climb in it. It's very well established after, you know, 17 years or so. Um, but it was planted, and we planted it there, and we put two stakes um, in the ground. Actually, when I first planted it, I didn't have a stake in the ground, if I remember right. It was just there. And uh, there was a wind that blew and during, like, the summer, and it, and it bent it like that. And so it actually had kind of in the middle, had a bend. It bent pretty bad because of a monsoon. And I thought, oh, i got to correct it. So I put a stake on one side, stake on another side, tied it. Not tied it tight, but tied it where there's some, where it's straight and it has a little bit of wiggle room like that. And it correct, to help correct the bend in the tree. And, uh, and now the tree uh, is going straight up and it grew fine. It's a picture of a couple things about parenting or child influence. That parents are like those two stakes. Next, every time you guys see a young tree that's tender, it's like, and you see one stake or two stakes, two that is two pieces of wood stuck in the ground. That's parenting. You know, there. It's not that we lock. We have a chain right there. The the the, the stake has a chain held tight. No, it has a it has some stability around it with like a wiring thing with a soft piece of hose or something there to just give it some wiggle room, but not let it go this way or let it go that way or be totally blown over. No, it's giving some guidance as it's growing up. Those stakes are guiding and it's growing up until, like with my tree, my tree was established. I pulled the stakes out of the ground, threw them in the whatever, the bulk trash, both of them is gone. Now it's on its own. It's, it's well established and that's childhood. Childhood is that. We have to have, sometimes you can get by with one parent. Ideally, of course, is two. It's how God designed and bring them up while they're tender and uh, see them grow up straight. You know, you can you can even train a tree to bend one way and start to, you know, like these palms. Isn't there a nursery over there on uh, Arizona Avenue? Where they made it look like a W, a couple palm trees, you know, bent like that. They did it probably while it was young. And that's what we have to think about with childhood. Um, so, number six of seven points... Consider number six, when it says train, okay, train, in what? We should consider number six, primary areas where child, children need training. So talk back to me, parents. What are some areas, and anybody, adults that are influencing kids, what does a child need trained in specifically? 
Respect. All right, so my first point is to honor authority. <laughs> honor and obey authority. And if you get away from the obligation to obey authority, you continue to honor authority. You always honor, you, you obey your parents all the time while you're with them. And as you get older, you honor them. I'm saying that again. You honor and obey right now. You honor and obey. Honor means you do things that are yielding to them and you have a good attitude toward them and you defer to them. You obey them. That means you do what they say. And as you get older and become the adult, the obey is no longer an obligation unless they're your boss at your work. The obey is no longer an obligation. Honor is to, for life. Like them or not, Christian or not, you honor for life. Uh, they need to be trained to honor authority. Exodus 20, it made it into the Big Ten. Children, it says, uh, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment, uh, Paul said with promise. But it says, honor thy father and thy mother, that they days may be long upon the earth, which thou goest in to possess. In other words, the, a, a properly structured home life with children, yielding to parents' authority helps that Israelis in the land. Honor them in speech and in behavior. We, number one, learn to honor authority in the home. And then if we can teach them to honor in the home, it'll fall in place easier elsewhere. Honor authority by acknowledging authority. Kids, whenever your parents are talking to you, look up at them. Put your phone down. Look up at them. If an adult is talking to you, you know, don't ever go to a job interview and go, yeah, I really want to work this job. How much are you going to get paid? And you're, the person interviewing you is right across the, the road, thing from you, and you're checking your text and going like that. Don't ever do that. It'll, the, the, the interview will be really short, and you won't work there. So, you know, honor authority. Look them in the eyes. Say hello. It'd be good. when, when Usually, this is the Bible says, I'll shall rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear the Lord thy God. You know, it is a good custom. If you're sitting down, a man comes up to you guys, and I'm not asking you to say, because I'm looking for you to do this for me. It's good for you. If you're sitting down, somebody comes up to you, and you're sitting down, just stand up and shake their hand. You know? Just be like, what's up, man? What's up? Hey, I, mean, I mean this. If a, if a man comes up to you guys, especially boys, and he says, how you doing? Stand up, shake their hand, and then you can sit down. It's good, for, it's good for you. It's not that he's such a tender ego he has to have kids doing that to him. It's not that. It's good for you. I remember um, my, one of my professors in Bible college, he would, um, Dr. Bushy was his name, Stan Bushy. He would do that. Um, the pastor of the ministry would, always, would come, into this, he'd come into his office, and he'd always stand up right away. It's not because he thought this was some kind of God or the president. He just stood up right away when the, when the pastor of that ministry came in and said, Dr. Singleton, how you doing? And he'd do that all the time, all the time. And that's what stood out in Dr. Singleton's mind was Dr. Bushy standing up whenever he came in. And it's just a good habit. It, it, my whole point is it's a good physical, you know, there are physical things to do that help you learn it, that help you ingrain a good character trait and spiritual attitude. All right? So that, that's good. It'll give you favor, too, with other people. All right. So, you know, uh, look in the eye. Um, help an older person honor authority by helping. Give them first choice. Defer to them. Remember when Abraham and Lot went into the land? 
Lot should have said, Abraham, you pick first. But he didn't. Abraham said, which, one do you, which way do you want to go, Lot? Because their, their herdsmen were conflicting. And Abraham, the elder, says, which way do you want to go? And Lot's like, ah, I want to go over here. Well-watered plains of Sodom. And he ended up, ended up, he was inching toward compromise. And that's what happened in his family. Um, he should have said, no, uncle, you go first. Where do you want to go? You know, and maybe Abraham wouldn't have went that way. Probably, most likely he wouldn't have. But so on our authority, what, else, what other areas that children need training in? Integrity, all right, being honest. Okay, so I have a couple points here. Communicating honestly, acting honestly. Let's look in Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12. All right, somebody read Proverbs 12, 19, and somebody read Proverbs 12, 22. Volunteer? Proverbs 12, 19. All right, uh, Josh. And then Seamus, Proverbs 12, 22. All right, God loves honesty. Verse 22, uh, Seamus. All right, so we want, to, us, we want to be a delight to the Lord. We want to train our kids to be a delight to the Lord by dealing honestly. All right, we want to train them to honor authority, to communicate honestly, to communicate respectfully. Remember Daniel in Daniel chapter 1, even against pagan people who did not have his convictions, certainly didn't have his God. He entreated them as he was taking a stand for God. Um, communicate respectfully. My wife often will be like, all right, now she'll say something to them, you know, like... Um, Oh, let's see. You know, one of the kids will come in and say, "Hey, she'll be okay. You can't, you can't go, um, you can't go to the park yet until your homework's done." And if they say, "I already did my homework," you know what she'll say? I'll try that again. You know, I'll say that again. I already did my homework, mom. And then she'll say, "Well, I gotta check it anyways." So, you know, she'll say, "Try that again." Say that again. <laughs> Give you a second chance. What's she doing? She's training them to communicate respectfully, right? And so that's good. All right, let's uh, communicate honestly. We need children need to be trained to work, right? And all the parents said, "Amen." You train you to work. Yeah. I mean, per per your age, and and uh, you know, even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. That implies that he can work. All right. I remember we, we told you the story when we, our first house in Chandler, we had a little small kitchen area, had some tile put in. And uh, Michael, Joe, Gideon, and Susie were like, all right, we got to clean this kitchen. All right, Susie. Susie's like two. I'm not joking. She was like two. And then Gideon was four, Michael was six, and Johanna was probably seven or eight. And all right, everybody get a washcloth. And I'm like, everybody do four or five, whatever, four, six, seven, eight tiles. I, I can't remember what it was. Everybody wipe them. So I had all four of them down there. Wipe your tiles. You do your tiles. You and they're all down there wiping their tiles, cleaning the tiles, you know. And even Susie, being two years old, cleaning the tiles. And now the other day, I got a little video of Charity. Deb's cute. She goes in the laundry room, and she takes out of the washer, opens the door of the dryer, throws it in the dryer, out of the washer. And Charity is catching on. She's over there. She's like, yeah. She'll, she'll, Deb will have it either thrown in the basket or she'll hand it to him. And Sarah's like, throw it in there. Hand it to Deb, throw it in there. Hand it to Deb, throw it in there. And then she wants to close it. Slam it shut. 
And then there's this kind of chrome ring on the wind. And then she likes, she's looking at her face on the, on the chrome ring thing. Ah, making these funny faces. I'm like, yes, training her. When's she going to be ironing? You know. So we're trying to t- teach her even to work. You know, our Down syndrome kids can be uh, highly functional. And so we're going to see that through, hopefully. All right, I'll go through a bunch of some other things quickly. Hygiene. You need to be trained to clean yourself. Amen. All right. And guys, to be a gentleman. Uh, ladies, to be ladylike. All of us, to be on time. You need to be trained to pray and love the Lord. David inquired of the Lord several times. I think he was taught that. Trained to read Scripture. Trained to be like Jesus. That you realize that man doesn't live by bread alone and snacks alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We didn't get our snack today. You should say, did you read your Bible today? That's a good idea. You know, eventually I want it to be where they'll want to do it on their own too, without me telling them. But that's a good thought. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I want to teach them to read their scripture, to manage money, to manage their mouth. To manage a lot of things. My John just got his license this last week, and we've been kind of gradually getting some things and training him along. And then we went to the bank and kind of changed his banking scenario too. And I was driving with him away from the DMV. Uh, it's actually a third party one. I was like, all right, Johnny, it's all about management right now. Manage your money, manage your car, manage your mouth, manage yourself. It, it really is right now. It's like how. I remember feeling like him. I'm not just picking on you, John. Your siblings had this too. And I had this like, oh, I got this stuff. I got this piece of metal I'm driving here that could hurt somebody. I got some money a little bit. I got some people that watch me. It's about management now. You better manage your influence, manage your money, you know, have a little budget. And uh, wait a minute, that gas, that's your gas money now. Sorry. You know, um, and so <clears throat> he got his p- paycheck the other day. I'm like, bud, when you get your paycheck, just first thing, your first paycheck from Safeway, I say, look at how much you made and then look how much they took out. That'll make you a, a non-Democrat right quick. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so just, just doing a little plug there, you know, but managing, it's all about management. Okay. A couple things. We could go on and on. It's important, uh, you know. I know all of us parents share this value. You want to teach your kids how to choose good friends and good influences, good associations. Proverbs talks a lot about that. Proverbs 1, verses 10 to 16. Proverbs 4, 14 to 19. Proverbs 13, 20, about walking with wise men. Um, guy, do you realize, boys, listen to me, and all of us guys, really, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 are almost entirely dedicated to staying away from bad girls. Most of Proverbs are isolated statements. Did you hear me? Most of the Proverbs, it's like this statement and the next statement might be totally disconnected. But there's sections where it's lengthy talks. Chapter 5, it's part of uh, chapter 6 in almost, I think, all of chapter 7. It's a discussion of watch out for girls, particularly the bad alluring girls. That's God's advice. And so we got to take that in. My, we have, how many, okay, so does anybody have a name to your homeschool? You know, we have a couple homeschoolers in here. Anybody, do we have names to our homeschool? Okay, what's the name of it? Abundant Life. Abundant Life. That's right. It's on Dylan's invitation. Abundant Life Academy Homeschool. All right. Anybody else have a name? 
You're like, I don't have a name yet. But when it's time to get the diploma, you're going to be like, oh, wait, wait. What's the name? What are we going to call this, honey? You know, you have one? Yeah. Tonto Academy. Yes. Oh, because it's on Tonto Street. All right. All right. Hold on a second. The John Marshall family, they, he was evangelist. And I think theirs was Rolling Wheels. What was it called? Rolling Wheels Baptist Academy or Academy. It was a homeschool Rolling Wheels Academy. And what's the name of ours, Noah? Henry Life Prep Academy. <laughs> that sounds very charter schoolish, doesn't it? Uh-huh. I didn't mean, I honestly was like, what's, <laughs> well, we get some public money for that. <laughs> so um, I really thought, well, we got to call it something. And th- what are we doing? Well, we're really pre- prepping the, the Henrys for life. It's not just merely the subjects and merely the checking off the minimum requirements of the state for your, um, you know, credit hours and all that. Like, what am I doing? And the, I want to prepare them for life. That's what I want to do, you know? So we're the Life Prep Academy, and that's why we say everything is school. Even when your Abeka uh, classes are done, you see that taking out that garbage? That's part of school, too. Life prep. So, all right. So a couple things here. Let's look at uh, the last point. Consider the child's personality. All right. So let's, you know, um, I'll quote to you some verses. Actually, Psalm 139. Do you know, remember what's in Psalm 139? David's like, God, you know me. You know my downsetting, my uprising. You know my thoughts are far off. Ah, oh, you know my person. The idea is David had a personality that was unique. Our kids have unique personalities. What does the proverb in verse 22, chapter 22, verse 6 say? Child, train up a child in the way that he should go. And I think it can be, I think it could be inferred that there's a there's certain children. There's things that all children should go. They should go towards Jesus. They should go towards the way of respect and some of these basic training things. But then there's kids, they just have gifts differing, right? Spiritually, Romans 12, 6 says, having then gifts differing, let us do this. If you have this gift, do that. If you have gift, gift. And that's spiritual gifts. And physically, or pardon me, are naturally, by our natural uh, birth, we have gifts and inclinations that are different. And, we, and I, I don't have a lot to say about that, except just try to recognize your kid's individuality and how they need, it needs to be tailored, how you train them, and it needs to be tailored kind of in the way they should go. If you recognize special gifts, natural gifts in that child, help develop that gift. If that child is not learning the exact same way as your four previous children that you taught, maybe you need to adjust it a little bit. Or one, two previous children, maybe you need to adjust it so you can train them in the way they should go and help adapt to them. Um, there was a boy one time at camp. When it was a camp in California. His name was Josh. And I, you know, I wasn't his dad. He was in our cabin, though. And um, um, during the week, it was, a, it was a camp in California. And so I remember thinking, well, I have a little chance to influence this kid. So, we, you know, when you're in camp, you're in and out of your cabin. You have the church counselor and another counselor. And I remember... Um, um, there was, uh, he had a fuss with another counselor and, um, and I saw him one day moving out of his cabin. Oh, I'm moving out. I'm like, Josh, what are you doing, man? He's like, I'm moving out of my cabin. I was like, why? 
He's like, well, you know, he just, he confronted, he basically confronted him about something. The other counselor confronted Josh about some things that wasn't that good and he needed to correct. And uh, it may have been cleaning or making his bed or something. It wasn't anything severe. And he's like, he didn't like the confrontation. So he's trying to move out. And I remember telling him, Josh, you need to learn to face up to the adults who rebuke you and not run from them. And I was like, all right, Josh, come over here. And I got the other counselor. Come over here, Josh. Listen to what he has to say. Let him finish telling you the story. And the counselor finished talking to him. And I was like, Josh, listen, this is just get your stuff. Go back into the cabin. And you can, you'll be fine, man. Just listen to what he says. Make the few corrections that he's saying and get back in the cab and let's deal with it. It's Thursday. You only got like a day and a half. And um, I said, you'll be bringing your stuff back in the cab. And this is, a, I told him, it's a great opportunity for you to learn not to run from people who scare you, but to face them. Because he told me, I'm kind of scared of that guy. And uh, I thought, you know, sometimes... You know, sometimes people just need little trainings on how not to run from somebody that's a little different than them. And I was trying to help them in that way the best I could. You know, I've told my kids, um, and maybe you could tell your kids this in certain ways, that um, as they get to be teenagers, is uh, I'm going to give you everything I got, give you my best. And I keep trying to tell myself that, you know, by the time they're 15, 16, and sometimes we have a little friction. You don't always have to have friction, but we've had this friction. And I said, listen, I am, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, this is what we're going to do as a family. This is, you know, et cetera. And I know you might get frustrated, but I'm going to give you the best I got as a dad. I'm going to give you, because there's going to come a day where I can't, I can't influence you much unless you ask for it. But I'm going to influence you, and I'm going to be on you in uh, correcting and admonishing and helping, and I want to help move you forward in life. And I'm giving you my absolute best until I can't anymore and until you're done. And I try to commu- communicate that to them so they realize that he's here for my good, not for my agitation. Even if I get agitated, it's ultimately for my good. And so is his mother. And so there's something interesting. We'll close here in just a moment. A library, listen to this article I read. Library offers adulting 101 class. A library in South Carolina has started offering classes to teach teens how to adult. The Pickens County Library System has started offering adulting 101. The class will teach teens ages 12 to 18 how to do things like laundry, interview for a job, manage finances, or change a flat tire. It's a program to teach them things they won't necessarily learn in school or their parents didn't think to teach them. Laura Wells, research assistant, told this t- television station. In September, they will learn how to sew buttons and make pin cushions. You know, you look at stuff like that, it just goes to show you of all the thousands, millions and millions of dollars we put into education, what's happening? People aren't still getting trained on basic stuff. But that's our job as primarily as parents and anybody else that has the opportunity to put their fingerprints on a kid to help get them in the way they should go. And so let's ask God to help us do that.